You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your man, Matt Miguez, looking looking fresh in the new The Game gear. Uh, we got our we got our new branded shirts in today. Producer extraordinaire and co-host with the most, James Mesh, joins me in the production booth. James, we, we, we got a nice little yeah, know, we're matching lo- thing going on here. We're looking fly. We're looking so fresh, so clean. So fresh, so clean. Yes, sir. All right, Big Tuesday. Uh, there's some Saints news to get to. There's a NFL rule change that everybody was asking for except for me that we'll get to. Uh, LSU and the Cajuns play baseball tonight. We'll talk about that. We'll talk some Pelicans. We'll talk some golf. Tiger Woods was spotted at Augusta today. What? And as always, we'll take your phone call, 706-0111, if you want to tap into the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 for LUS Fiber. Our Twitter poll question of the day. Do you think that the Saints will still draft a quarterback now that they have signed Andy Dalton? So far, 77.8% of you say no. 22.2% of you say yes. Andy Dalton has agreed to a one-year $6 million deal with $3 million guaranteed. To join the New Orleans Saints, he will be Jameis Winston's backup because, James, why would you pay the starter Half the money that you paid the backup. It, I wasn't worried about it. As soon as I saw Andy Dalton, I was like, yes. Perfect see, backup because I did bring him up once or twice before about him being a potential. You see, it's very funny. I was at the bank this morning mm-hmm. doing doing grown-up things. My fiance and I got a joint bank account. As you do. And um, the guy that was helping us set up, he, he walked to the printer to to grab a paper or something that we needed to sign. And somebody passed a comment to him. I guess he's a Saints fan. And somebody passed a comment to him. Oh, the Saints got Andy Dalton. And he goes, ha no, we didn't. Uh, and I said, ha yeah, we did. <laughs> we totally did. And he goes, wait, seriously? And I was like, yeah. And then his next question was, is he going to start? Uh, no. <laughs> Not even a little bit. It's a backup piece. If Jameis who, poor guy, is injury prone, if he gets hurt again, you have a serviceable, solid player as your backup. Because let's be honest, if Jameis got hurt before we signed Dalton, who was your backup? Ian Book? Blake Bortles? Blake Bortles? A potential rookie that you'd be starting? I heard somebody say the other day that Blake Bortles has had a good career in the NFL. When, when playoff Lenny drug him on his back to the AFC title game, I was gonna say when Saxonville was in full right. swing. When, when his when his defense sacked the opposing quarterback seven times a game, get out of here. Blake Bortles has been mediocre at best. 
in his time in the NFL. We signed him last year for a, oh crap, what do we do if so-and-so gets hurt? And then let's not forget about Taysom Hill. You know, quarterback of the future. We'll sign him to a $140 million deal if he plays quarterback more times than not. Now he's going to play tight end. Tight end. Now, granted, I'm okay with that move because I feel like that's kind of a spot where he should have always been. Let me ask you this, James. I've always thought this, but I, I like to get other people's thoughts on it. If Tim Tebow would have agreed to become a tight end in the NFL long before he did, he would have had a long-term career in the league. What would you have defined as a long-term career? Like six, you, six plus years. Six plus? Who? He might have. I'm feeling more on the five-year range. If, if he if he'd have become a tight but end that, straight out that, of college, but that's if he would have actually learned how to block. Yeah, this true. would have been when he was in that's his true. physical prime. Right, right out of right out of Florida. But he, I mean, we watched, him. we saw him in Jacksonville during the preseason. We saw him try to block somebody, and it was horrible. It, because it, it what, looked like me trying to that's, do it. That's what Denver wanted to do with him from when he got drafted. They wanted to turn him into a tight end, and he didn't want to do it. I think I've always said that that if he would have become a tight end right out of Florida, I think he would have had a much longer career in the league than he had. He would have had to have been the number two at best. And I, I don't I don't know. I just don't think it ever would have really worked out because yes, he had that dog in him early on that first year in 2011. But it's just hard for me to believe he would have been able to be there for six, seven years unless some just switched in his head and he figured it out right away to how to be a tight end. Like, it's ta- it's it's taken three, three, four years for Taysom to become more than just a quarterback, right. to be more of a pass catcher in the quote-unquote joker role. So right. it would have taken, in my, in my eyes, it would have taken Tebow – at least that time, if not more, just to figure out how to be that type of player. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, poll question from yesterday. In the world, are there more wheels or doors? James, do you know what one? Yeah, I'd seen it, I think, when I woke up. It it went slightly to doors. Yeah, 57.9% of people said doors. Yeah, you got those late votes after the show ended. <laughs> hey. Winter, you you winter, would count those whenever it's in winter, your favor. Winners do what winners do, baby. Winners do what winners it's do. It's like taking it's like taking shots on a hoop after the game ends, hey, like post game. Hey, if it counts, it counts. It does. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> new rule in the league. In overtime in the postseason, each team will have the opportunity to possess the football. Now, I I don't I still don't know how I feel about this because 
it, it, it's going back to that whole participation trophy thing, right? Everybody gets a chance. Everybody gets a, an award. There's got to come a point where that's not the case. Like, my thing is this. Even if you're playing defense first, if you can't stop them, you don't deserve to win. If you had 13 seconds to make sure they didn't score. Right. And you let them march down the field on you. In two plays. They yeah. they went you 40, over 40 yards in the two plays. You don't deserve to win. And you had 60 minutes beforehand. Right. Right. To make sure you won. I thought the rule was just fine the way it was. If they score a touchdown, it's over. If they get if they only get a field goal, then you get a chance. Un- I think or, I think it was fine the, the way it was. Or if the defense gets a safety. Right. Ultimately, it was passed by a vote of 29 to 3. I saw somebody retweet that post saying that one of the teams should have recruit recused itself so that it could have become the 28 to 3 rule. That would have been great. It would. It wouldn't. It would just the, the, be funny because Falcons, but the, the it wouldn't Saints, have related to the, the same the, thing. The Saints should have just you said, eh, you know what? We're gonna stay out of this. <laughs> I don't want to vote in this." Right. Well, I, I'm, I don't. I don't need my opinion felt. Do you? In, do you know what the three teams were? Did it say, or um, or is it classified? No, it doesn't say. Oh. I'm. I'm. I'm it not just surprised. said it was a twenty-nine to three. Yeah. So uh, again, I. I I like I said I thought the the rule for overtime was fine the way that it was, but I get why some people would want it to be changed. Now let me ask you this: Now that the Saints have signed Andy Dalton, and that the Saints have re-signed Traquan Smith, obviously the Saints aren't going to go quarterback in the draft now because with Jameis and Andy Dalton, they're set for the next you know, three to five years at QB. Are the Saints going to sign a receiver, or do you think that they are just sitting waiting for the draft? I can see it either way. Because, like I said, I would rather – you've already got so many young receivers that you feel like they have the potential. They still have Aesop Winston. They still have Kawan Baker that they drafted mm-hmm. last year. They still have these young receivers that were, yes, they were in the 6th, 7th, and undrafted area of the draft. But you've got a lot of young receivers, not to mention Deontay Hardy's still 25, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Like, they still have yeah, a yeah. – and, and Marquez Callaway is only two years removed of being an undraft, undrafted free agent himself. And you still have little Jordan Humphrey. To me, what would make sense is to get some – experience in the wide receiver room because your mo- the most experienced yeah. receiver in that room is Michael Thomas. But here's the problem. You're running out of money to spend. You are, but like I said, you can still get Sammy Watkins on that cheap deal. You still got you got 8 million left. Yeah. You can spend that on on Sammy Watkins because he's around the same age as Michael Thomas. They're both 28. He's going to turn 29 in June and you get more experience, it'll be a better wide receiver too than potentially Traquan Smith or whoever eventually just beats him out. And you wouldn't have to worry about having another young receiver that you have to develop. He, 
Sammy Watkins, he's underperformed. He's only put up three, four, five hundred yards the last three, four seasons. But because of that, you could sign him to a cheap deal and it wouldn't be bad. That's what they tried to do with Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. They tried to they tried to get some some age, some some experience in that room, and it just didn't work out because Michael Thomas got injured week one. So then Emmanuel had to be had to step up to be the number one himself, and then he just became a cap casualty. Right. Which he's 35 at this point, and he didn't get a lot of play in Buffalo. So I'm wondering how much tread is left on those tires for Emmanuel, but I'm still interested in Sammy Watkins because he just hasn't got on the field. Yeah. And you could sign him for a cheap deal, and it would give him the opportunity to be that wide receiver too because he was the wide receiver too for both Kansas City and and for Baltimore, especially Baltimore, it's just the Chiefs go more towards just variety of packages, right? But and and he would just always go to Kelsey and Tyree Hill. You see, I think I think we should try to make a move to bring back Brandon Cooks. Yeah, but I I wouldn't be against that, not at all, because you finally get your speed, sir other than Deontay Hardy. But who's to say they who's to say the Texans aren't trying to build around Brandon Cooks being their number one? That's that's, true. that's the thing is I haven't heard any I haven't heard anything from Texans related saying, hey, we wanna we're looking to move on from from Brandon Cooks because they're trying to at least somewhat build around Right. Whatever quarterback they get, or just build around Davis Mills. I think they're going to build around Davis Mills. Yeah, that's that's that that's what the reports were saying, but I mean, you got to give him at least somebody because other than that, I mean, the only guy that I can name off top is Brevin Jordan, and that's just because I was in love with him as a tight end prospect last right. draft. Before we go, take a timeout. I got a tweet from Tom Pelissero. Goodell says he doesn't know that the playoff OT rule will eventually apply to all games because coaches currently like the regular season format. The decision was based on data on 12 playoff OT games where seven were won on the opening possession, and they felt that was an issue. Okay, here's my thing. If you liked the regular season rule, why is the postseason different? Because there's more on the line? Like, if if the offense is just that good and they score on the opening drive... that's on your defense. No oh, man, I understand it. It almost kind of comes down because that's because that's the argument is it pretty much just comes down to a coin toss. I mean, I get you want to play more football, but the more football you play, the more likely of a chance that somebody important is going to get injured, and then in the right. playoffs, and 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 you can't play. You won't have them next week. You because, can't play forever. Yeah, we we can't play college football. We can't. I understand this was like a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing where we saw the nine overtimes for LSU and Texas A&M. Right. And, but we saw it last year. We saw it with, I think it was... It was Illinois and somebody. Yeah, like BYU, I think. Yeah, nine, o- nine overtimes. It was like, we don't need to see this many overtimes. And, I, right. and we've seen plenty of four and five overtimes before with college football. We don't need yeah. to see this many overtimes. Overtime is just to eke out the edge, not to give everyone else another chance. You already had the 60 minutes. Right. Right. What do you What do you need three more possessions for? If you've got a thought on the new overtime rule or 
the Saints or whatever, give us a call at 706-0111. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. In the next segment, we're going to talk some Cajuns baseball. They've got a, a big game against southeastern Louisiana tonight down in Hammond. We'll get you set up for that. We'll give you some insight on the Lions as well. And uh, Jim Gazzolo joins us at 430 to talk McNeese. Don't go anywhere. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Do you want to see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers on the planet? The world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April 5th, and you can see them live. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving away a four-pack of tickets to this family-friendly show. How do you win? Simply text TROTTER to 68683 to win tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters. Once again, text TROTTER, that's T-R-O-T-T-E-R, to 68683 to win that family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters live. Live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Let's jump right to the hotline. Jimmy joins the show. Good afternoon, Jimmy. What's going on? Hey, man. How you doing? Doing well. Um, yeah, just wanted to comment on overtime. I mean, I get the whole point of view, you know, hey, you got to stop them and everything. But, I mean, the rules are a little different now. You know, it's a lot easier to score, you know, than than defend. And in the critical, you know, time of overtime, you kind of kind of need to, you know, give something back to the defense because it's so hard. Uh, you ever think about maybe doing like starting at your own thirty-five? Give you know each team, you know, kind of like kind of like college, but. You know, you have to go 65 yards instead of <clears throat> instead of 25 yards. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound like a, a terrible idea. But again, you know, like kind of like we said in the first segment, you have 60 minutes. Oh, true. <laughs> like if you can't I mean, get it, if you can't get it done on both sides of the ball in the first 60 minutes, it might it just might not be your day. Well, I'm just glad the Saints won it whenever it was 2009. First team to score one. That's true. We we did we did benefit off of that. We did <laughs> benefit off of that. I'll give you that one. But yeah, I mean that was my only thought. Appreciate the call, man. All right, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean the the 35. That's that's giving them an extra 10 yards. Because generally, you're gonna most of the time they take the touchbacks and yeah. it starts at the twenty-five. So you're just giving the offense even more opportunity and making it even easier from the score. If it, if it's so difficult for the defense to stop, which when you watch, especially once it gets to November and December, it's a lot. You, you see a lot less points being scored more often than not. So yeah. point point scoring averages are way down. It, it the they are. Because the defense finally starts to get an understanding and they kind of figure it out more towards the end. So if you're gonna if you're trying to help the defense, why would you give the offense 
even 10, 10 less yards to have to worry about getting because they already get it. it that's that's kind of almost like putting a runner on second in the MLB in extra innings. Which they're not going away with, by the way. Oh, they're not? Oh, God. At least that last I heard, they weren't getting, going away with it. I could be wrong. Um, they call it the ghost runner. You play Ghost Runner whenever you only have three people playing on each team for a pickup game they, of baseball. They called it, they, somebody called it the Ghost Runner. Oh. Uh, NFL media update. Locker rooms will be reopened to media this season. James Mesh might be able to get into the locker room post-game. Wow. Lucky, lucky duck. But, you know, going back to the OT rule, yeah, the 35, you give them give both teams an opportunity that doesn't sound bad, but in the end, you're still... What happens if... What happens if the team that gets the ball first scores and the team that gets the ball second scores? You, you spend all the time going 70 yards down the field for both teams, and then you just, what... You start over again from the 35? Like it's never going to end. Let's go to the hotline. Ralph joins the show. What's going on, Ralph? Hey, man. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? You know, what's interesting is before they actually kind of started tweaking the overtime rules, and, and uh, of course, it, it was because of the Saints. You know, we, we happened to, to, to win a playoff game, and God forbid, you know, um, next thing you know, overtime rules are being changed. But, um it was right about 50-50 when, when it was just the first team that scored. Uh, if you go back you know, and look at the stats, it, it really wasn't uh, a tremendous advantage to win the toss or not. Uh, but since they've kind of, you know, kind of tweaked it, I, to, to me, you know, and again, I, what I'd like to see actually, but not the overtime rules mess with so much, but I'd like to see two things happen. One, move the kickoff back another five yards where they kick it off from the 35 now yeah because i mean 90 percent of your kickoffs are just through the end zone you don't that that part of the game is almost non-existent so i think that would at least you know lend a lot of difference in field position and the other thing is and again this is just me but hey the three-point line in basketball changes forever why couldn't a field goal that's 55 yards or more be worth four points and, you know, if you miss it, the other team got the ball in great position. I know a lot of kickers can kick them now from that, you know, that yardage, but it would, it would add, a, I thought, I think a little bit more, you know, excitement to the game. And it could perhaps, you know, end games that would, you know, go into overtime ordinarily with a long field goal. But anyway, that's just some thoughts. But um, as far as the Saints receivers, man, I'm kind of with James on this in that, I know a lot of people are panicking right now. My only concern is I don't know what Mike Thomas were, were getting back. You know, if I if I knew it was the eighty percent of of him three years ago, I would feel a lot better. Right. But I I do think you know that that Mark you know Marquez Callaway is developing. You know what you have in Traquan Smith. I mean he 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 drops way too many passes, but I mean you know he 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 is what he is. I, I do think uh, little Jordan Humphrey, you know, has shown some flashes at, at, at times a, a little bit. Um, and like you mentioned, some of the other guys uh, that, that we haven't really seen a whole lot of yet, 
because of, of injury. But if we're going to sign a vet, I think the thing that would help Jameis Winston the most, because if you think about it, when we were at our very best, our receivers, we didn't really have a lot of separation. Drew Brees threw guys open a lot. That's not Jameis Winston's strength. I mean, to be honest with you, he does need some people to get, you know, stretch the field and get open. So I think drafting uh, speed is is really, or, or signing speed, is kind of critical at this point. And, and I'd like to, if I could get Deontay Hardy in a four-inch taller body with a bigger frame, that's what I'd be looking for if I, if I were the Saints, you know. But um, – We'll see what happens, you know. Yeah, a uh, a four inch taller Deontay Hardy would definitely be nice. Yeah, that would or, definitely or even be nice. Six, this be even better, you know. But uh, but uh, yeah, it, and and uh, but look, I mean, we have some some guys that I, I really think are on the cusp. But you know, I think Jawan Johnson could really be a good tight end receiving threat. They, I think, he was very under underutilized last year. Um, you know. Uh, Putting Taysom Hill back in the the Joker role, you know, is, is to me is much a much better option than what we tried to, to do with him uh, before. So I, I do think it's going to give him some flexibility. I don't think you ought to, you know, you have to automatically say it's got to be receiver at eighteen if if we stay at eighteen. You know, I mean, um, uh, I did read today, which kind of surprised me because we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago about uh, Ramchek's uh, contract having incentives built in to play left tackle. But they, they pretty much came out and said it's James Hurst at left tackle and, and Ramchek staying at right tackle. So um, I, it, it would not break my heart to see them draft the best offensive lineman available, as uh, offensive specifically offensive tackle available if uh, someone falls to 18. You, you can never have enough big nasties. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, I just I feel like wide receiver is more of a need than offensive tackle. Yeah, the only thing is in the this this year, um, I, I think it's that from what I'm reading now. I'm no you know no draft expert, but they're saying it's so deep that in the you get second and third rounders that, that in a lot of years would be first rounders. So I, I do think it gives you just a, a little bit of flexibility, and we do have a, an extra third round pick this year, uh, um, and. That maybe we can package and and to, to move up if somebody um, you know. But hey, look, there's a lot of things that could happen between now and then. A lot of things can happen on draft day. It it's been the craziest off season. I can. I'm 62 years old. I, I this I've never seen anything like this ordinarily. Yeah, it's, it's so detailed. You know, it, it's man, been a every wild day is something new, man. And, and look, I tell you what, I might be in the minority here, but I like the Andy Dalton signing a lot. I, Absolutely. I, I just think, you know, that's a that's I think a huge very gate. I think so too, and it's a contract very, you know, affordable. I think it's probably less than we're paying Trevor Simeon. Um, and I'd much, if it comes and look, I hope he doesn't see the field. I hope Jameis Winston is a hundred percent. I hope he's he has a great season. Uh, but if it comes to that, I'd much rather see. Uh, Andy Dalton on the sideline, ready to go in. Then, then Chase Daniel. That's another name I was hearing bantered about, and I, I didn't want to see him make his return back here for sure. So, we'll see. Yep, absolutely. Enjoy the show, guys. Thank Pre- y'all so much, man. Appreciate the call, Ralph. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things you'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. 
We'll take a timeout right here. And when we come back, Jim Gazzolo, our good friend from the Lake Charles American Press, will join us to get some insight on McNeese football's quarterback battle. Where does Gary Golf turn in year one? I'm going to wear this is crunch time with me, guys, and mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game, Southwest Louisiana sports station wants to give you a chance to score the ultimate crawfish bowl. Brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of live crawfish a pot and a burner, an ice chest, a tumbler, chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, and tickets to an Astros game. So sign up today for the Game Rewards Club at 1037game.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score the ultimate crawfish boil from J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's go to Lake Charles now. And let's talk some McNeese Cowboys. What are they going to do at quarterback? First-year head coach. A lot of questions to answer. Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press joins us. Jim, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? I'm doing fine. And, uh, yeah, always questions in the chuck. Always questions in the chuck, as we say. So let, let's dive right into that quarterback battle. You know, Dylan Seamall, Walker Wood, Devin Tite. Cade Bartlett, Ryan Roberts, where and I know I know it's still very early in the spring, but looking at their ages and where they come from, Walker Woods got to be the favorite. Um, I think going into camp, it was actually Knox Keaton from uh, Virginia Tech. He just transferred it from Virginia Tech. Walker Wood uh, has actually been the surprise of the camp. I think that he has done so well um, because he was a wide receiver last season. They moved him from quarterback to wide receiver, and uh, he was a good, solid wide receiver for them, did not quarterback at all last fall, and uh, has really come on, asked to play quarterback this year, asked to have a tryout. I think he surprised them, and I think it's going to be between him and Knox Keatum. I think we'll start seeing it play out. What we got from last scrimmage was – It'll start playing out to where lesser guys will, fewer guys will have uh, snaps during practice, and we'll start to see something come up of a one or two bad battle. Talk about you know the your overall thoughts on the on the on the spring scrimmage from the weekend. How did how did the Cowboys look? Uh slowed. Uh, it started slow and picked up pace. They looked like they were kind of questioning what they were doing. They're still a long way away. Um, this is a team that, this is a university in general, but a team that is a mess from everything that's happened, all the newcomers, all the changes, your fourth coach, in really five seasons. Um, not This is the first uh, spring they've had a workout in three years. Um, absolutely no depth on the offensive line last year. They're just getting now. Uh, so, I think we're in the very vanilla stages of what we're seeing in the offense. 
kind of the infancy of the uh, Gary Goff administration. Chatting with Jim Gazzolo. Jim, you know, you just mentioned the early stages of the Gary Goff administration at McNeese. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on golf so far? Just a, a couple months into his his time at McNeese, very disciplined. Um, a lot of accountability that hasn't been there in the last three coaches. Um, he runs a really good practice. A lot of movement, a lot of tempo, a lot of action. Uh, something we didn't see, quite frankly, for three three coaching staffs. Um, does that mean anything in the long run? It doesn't mean anything if they don't get some cornerbacks and get somebody that can play quarterback well. But it, it's it's an upscale from what they've had. There's drones at practice, filming practice. Um, he has a style he wants to do. And like I said, the, the accountability is there. And when you talk to the players, it's kind of the first time some of them have seen it. Let's transition to baseball now. <laughs> Coach Justin Hill. It's a bad weekend to do that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it definitely wasn't a great weekend in Lake Charles for baseball. But and that kind of that kind of dives into my next question. You know, you win one out of three against Houston Baptist. You only win one out of three the weekend before against Eastern Illinois. This week, you you got a good Southern team coming to Joe Miller Ballpark tomorrow, and then the Cowboys go to Thibodeau to play a reeling Nichols Club. How does Justin Hill get his guys back on track for this week? Well, this is interesting. They have only played two road games. So they will be 23 home games after tomorrow night, uh, assuming they play it because of weather. And of the 25, they haven't had a road series. Uh, not everybody's been on the road, but we don't know what we're going to see. They have played well at times in every aspect of the game. They have not put it together. They have not won a series since Alcorn's second week of the season. They were one time 7-2, and two, and now they're 12-12. and 12. Um, They lost a game on Friday night that they should have won. They're up 4-1. They have their closer in. First time he blew a save all year. Then they did rally on Sunday to save kind of the weekend with a 10-run eighth inning to win. But they have not played consistently good baseball. They have not played good defense. Um, And that, I think, is the biggest surprise. that They've lost some games, frankly, because the guys up the middle that they have counted out that are 50-year seniors or 40-year juniors because of COVID made errors. And that, I don't think they were expecting. Their pitching's been pretty good, but they have, they do not have a lot of offensive firepower like they've had in the past. They're they a slap-and-run team, and they're not used to that. Now, Jim, let me ask you this. You know, you mentioned after tomorrow night, there's, it's going to be 23 out of 25 games at home. Yeah. Why is that? Why are they playing at home so much? They, uh, they got the benefit of a couple of things. Um, one is... Some northern teams, uh, Stony Brook, wanted to come down here and play. Um, Cal State Fullerton wanted to get out of the road and play. Or not, I'm sorry, Cal State Northridge wanted to get out of the road and play. Um, these, they also got Tech in a home-and-home weekend series back-to-back this year. It was here. So it, was, it wasn't planned. Uh, part of it was a, co- a COVID makeup of some schedules. But really, it was just a fluke of the schedule. And 
they've, they've only been rained out one time, and that was a road game, and everything else was just scheduled to be at home based on uh, a, a lot of transition because of the Southland uh, kind of dissipating and who was at home. And they were bringing teams in that uh, wanted to come, that they had planned on bringing in. And uh, it's just a strange coincidence. But really a lot of it is the fact that they got extra games at home because the Southland kind of changed so much that they lost so many games. This this is a conference that played 40 conference games last year. It's only going to play 21 this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, you see, I didn't didn't realize that. (laughs) Yeah. Jim, like the whole conference is in flux, so that's that, that's why they right. got a lot of extra games at all. Right. Looking at looking at Southern, you know, McNeese played Southern back on March first, and it was a seven to three victory for the Cowboys. Does does the game plan, you know, kind of change at all? What does Southern bring to to kind of disrupt McNeese? I think it, I think it changes a little bit because both are now in conference when they play in midweek. So you're going to see both kind of games be bullpen games. Um, and that changes things into how many kids do you bring, how many kids do you pitch. Um, I think both will play starting lineups because both really need now, – now Southern's coming off taking two out of three from Grambling, but they're 6-17. and 17. They need wins. McNeese needs wins. So I think you'll see the normal lineup. You won't see guys coming in. And trying to win jobs, I think you'll see the the usual lineup. But pitching is completely different. I don't think anybody's going to go more. I don't think Nice is not planning on anybody going more than two innings. So that kind of changes everything. Um, but you know, they, Southern can hit a little bit, and uh, they had to, they had to get. Um, I want to say I forget uh, Javante Doris, I think it is, who let out he homered against McNeese. They actually hit the ball pretty well against McNeese. Uh, Julian Gonzalez had two home runs. For a power game, but I think they were out hit by uh, Southern, if I recall. But McNeese had a couple of power home runs that kind of flipped the game. Jim Gazzola of the Lake Charles American Press has been our guest. Jim, appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a good week down there in the Chuck, and uh, we'll talk oh, to you soon. Always, always fun in the Chuck. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Jim Gazzolo, appreciate you taking the time, man. All right. So before we before we go to break, James. Poll question. Do the Saints draft a quarterback now that Andy Dalton is in NOLA? 85% of people have said no. 15% of people said yes. But we did get a comment from Derek that I would like to discuss. And he said, nope, they never were. Uh, I think they were thinking about it. I was gonna say I don't want to say never, but the they like, they were thinking about it. My my percentage that I would say of a chance that they would have. Are we saying like a, a quarterback in general? Right. I I think even that's very low. Like 10, oh, it was like ten percent. It it was a low chance, like just five ten percent because because they they don't draft quarterbacks often to begin with. Well, and and when you looked at it. I mean, remember when they drafted uh, that kid from Colorado State? Garrett Grayson. Garrett Grayson. That was a third rounder. They held on to him for three, four years. And they had him try to be a developmental piece, but the the next three or four drafts, they didn't draft anybody. They drafted Ian Book with a fourth rounder when he was projected to be a sixth, seventh, or even maybe an undrafted. So they believe in it a lot more than the most fans do, or really any of them at all. So... 
you would have to believe that they still like him to be a developmental piece. And if they already probably already had a plan to go get a veteran to begin with. Right. The chances the chances were slim. I agree. And largely of that because of how weak this quarterback class is. Yeah. Because um, people pe- people were like, well, draft a draft like Kenny Pickett or somebody. Somebody's going to draft one too high, then the next one's going to because once one quarterback goes, it's usually a flurry and it's it's usually in a run. Carolina's drafting a quarterback. I I wouldn't doubt it. They haven't the way the GM had talked about Sam Darnold the other day, it was they're drafting a he quarterback was, with their first round pick, which is number six right now. Yeah, they're drafting a QB. Because my my initial thought process, because I'm starting up my mock draft, but my possibilities of what of where Carolina and Atlanta could both go, I'm I'm looking at that QB position for both of them. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll get you set up for hour number two on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores. In the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan The Stallion, just to name a few. The Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to 22nd in Gold Shores, when VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Thank you, James Mesh. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. Real quickly, before we take the time out to end hour number one, we've got some audio from Jameis Winston, who met with the media earlier this week. And comment number one that was made by Jameis, or the most important one, should I say, is you know last year before he got hurt, the Saints were four and two. They ended up winning the game that he got hurt in, so technically five and two. But Jameis was starting to show flashes of his old self without the thirty interceptions. So the question was. Are you getting where were you getting where you wanted to be before you got hurt? Here's Jameis. Absolutely, man. Like, hey, that it happened when it happened against who it happened against, but it happened, and uh, and, and we learn and grow from every circumstance, every lesson in our life. Uh, we have to learn and grow from it. But man, we were about to get on a roll, and that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to have a full off season, knowing that. I'm going to be the quarterback of this team. Uh, I'm happy that I don't have to go into training camp uh, with a question uh, whether or not uh, I'm going to be leading this team team or not. Like I think that's what a lot of people forget uh, when when we talk about continuity. We talk about development. Like I was not named this team starting quarterback uh, until a week before we played the Green Bay Packers, and during that same week, we're migrating to Dallas and coordinating different things and having to move our entire family. So, 
me as a as an overall leader to have a an impact on this team the way that I want to have an impact on this team uh, was kind of kind of short stroke man it, it was shortly lived uh so so I'm excited to to get that opportunity uh to 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 have the full reins to to have uh everything uh, that I need and uh, and, and hopefully uh, everyone in the building agrees with that too. In hour number two, we'll start off and we'll talk some more Saints. What has James been working on? Has he talked with Michael Thomas? What does it mean to be back with the Saints? Hour number one in the books. Hour number two on the other side of this break here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. And we were we were freaking out during the timeout because a picture has been posted of our new backup quarterback, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. Man was so ready to play some football. He's already signed his contract. Looking at his looking at his beard, there's a little gray. A little bit of gray in the red rifle. James, I might be in the minority here. I'd be okay with this guy being our starter. <laughs> I would. Yeah, yeah. You're in the uh, you're in the minority there. I, I know, and I love Jameis. I'm not. I'm not saying that to knock Jameis. I just like Andy Dalton can be that dude. Did Chicago and Matt Nagy do him any favors? Matt Nagy. No. <laughs> Matt Nagy didn't do himself any favors. No, he did not. Let's he, be let's be totally honest. He didn't do anybody any. The favors. only the only problem with Andy is that he's now he's now 34. Yes. So how long does he play? I don't know. But, oh man. The Red Rifle, 007. Boy, oh boy. Don't forget to go answer our Twitter poll question. Do the Saints draft a quarterback now that Andy Dalton is in New Orleans? Still sitting at 20 votes, 80, 22 votes now. It just jumped up. 86.4% of you say no. 13.6% of you say yes. I agree. I don't think we need a quarterback anymore now that Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton have both been signed to contracts. Speaking of Jameis Winston, here he is talking about what made him want to return to the Saints. I think it's just the continuity. And I know at this position, uh, the quarterback position, that is so important uh, into our success, uh, being able to be in the same offense, uh, being being able to, to to play with the same teammates. But this year, I'm going to have Mike Thomas. So that's even better, right? So my position uh, from last year to this year, uh, offensively, uh, is even better because now I get one of the best receivers to play this game back. So that was exciting. You know, obviously, uh, I wish we could have got to run back, but I'm excited for him. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see James Hurst get the recognition that he deserves uh, at, at, at playing. But obviously, 
losing to Ron, uh, you know, made me think about like, man, how, how can we get him back? You know, I, I, I wish I could have, could have just brought, I wish we could have did a dual contract together, but, but that's just not the case. Uh, he, he's, he, he's value and what his worth is, is, uh, is beyond, you know, what we were able to do. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for him, but I just love this team, man. I love this city. I wanted to be here. Uh, this is my de desired location. And like I said, the continuity, that's that's very important. So my next question, listening to James talk right there with Michael Thomas, talking about Michael Thomas, is have they spoken? Are they prepared for the 2022 season? It, the conversation will congruent. It's, it's about actions, right? Like we can sit here and dream about – uh, the matchup, but we got to go out there and uh, and we have to make some work and, and we have to do it. We have to make the splash. We have to make the simple plays. We have to make the big plays. We have to do everything that is that is made out to be, but not just talk it. We got to go and be about it because uh, I'm, I'm I'm definitely looking forward for that opportunity. Again, it translates back to Sean. Like we thought that we were going to have Mike Thomas and we didn't. Uh, so again, like how how did things change from that? We'll never know because it didn't happen. So uh, hopefully it happens this year. I know he ready and locked and loaded, uh, and I'm ready and locked and loaded. So uh, I'm ready to really make some shape there, and I, I can't continue to talk talk that up. And I just, I just, I'm just ready for it to happen. We'll speak with John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated at 5:30 to dive a little bit deeper into the Saints and their plans now with the Red Rifle being signed to a contract. James Tiger Woods was spotted at Augusta National today practicing ahead of the Masters next week. Is it a sign that he plays in the Masters? Oh, man. You want me to give like a prediction right now? Yeah. Uh, I say yes. Now, if he plays in the Masters... Is he competitive in the Masters? I don't think he'll win, but I, I, I think he'll I think he'll give himself a little bit of a a, a little bit of a chance. I, I think he'll keep himself in contention, but I don't think he'll ultimately win it because you know that that kind of for the long, longest time seemed to be the story is that he would come back and be ready for the Masters, but recently that kind of you know that that kind of dwindled a little bit, but you know around lunchtime today he was he was spotted on the course at a, at Augusta National, ready to ready for practice. He played a he played a practice round with Justin Thomas today, at Augusta. So I don't know. That's uh that's interesting. Woods did say last month that. You would see him on the PGA Tour again. He just didn't know when. Hmm. Good old Tiger. Man, if, if Tiger would, would walk into Augusta and win one more, good Lord, that would be... That might be the story of the year right there. Once again, we can go to the game hotline, 706-0111, if you want to chime in on today's headlines from the Saints to the Cajuns to the Tigers and everywhere in between. 
Uh, we're always looking to hear from you. And in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Once again, at 530, John J. Hendricks will join us to dive deeper on the Jameis Winston news and Andy Dalton signing, Traquan Smith signing, and just a general conversation about where the Saints could go from a draft perspective. Real quickly, we'll go to Cajuns softball now. Uh, They sweep UT Arlington this past weekend, but now they shift to their four-game week this week. Tomorrow they'll be in Austin to take on Texas before going to Texas State this weekend, a three-game series in San Marcos. And the Cajuns have been eluded of a big top 25 win this season. All of their losses have come. One loss has come in Sunbelt Conference play, and then their other six, two to Texas, two to Alabama, two to LSU. Can they find a way to get that decisive top 25 win? We'll see. Let's go back to the game hotline. Bob joins the show. Good afternoon, Bob. What's going on? Hello? Yes, sir. This is Anthony. Hey, Anthony. What's going on? Not much. I have a comment uh, about the Saints. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I saw today they signed uh, Andy Dalton as the backup quarterback. So, with that being said, and Jameis is a starter, which I think Jameis is, uh, will do very well, um, after his rehab, it's over. Um, what do you suspect they'll be their first pick in the draft? I'm thinking offensive lineman to replace Teron Olmstead uh, or, or defensive tackle. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I, I, I don't know about defensive tackle. Um, I, I don't know that that's really a position of need right now. Mm-hmm. Offensive tackle I could see for sure. Uh, but if you're asking for my personal opinion, I think the Saints have to pick a wide receiver in the first wide round. Wide receiver first, the first round? Yeah. I'm I, thinking I think that, that would be their second round pick, but maybe I, not. I'm, I'm thinking a guy like Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson or some mock drafts have Drake London from USC, USC falling that low. Yeah, if, Drake London. If one of those three guys is available at, eight, at 18, I think you have to take them. Yeah, and then maybe go with a lineman on the second round. Huh? Right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a uh, there's a big lineman there. I saw. I uh, can't remember his name, but he's like six six. Um, I think three sixty or something. He's got a funny name. Last name I can't remember. Uh, his last name, but I like to see the Saints get him to help show off that line. You know. Yeah. I know they have James Hurst and they have another lineman now, but uh, I would just like to see him get a, a good lineman in, in the draft. Also. Yeah, they have they have Landon Young from Alabama, who they really like. Uh, yeah, and they have James Hurst as well. So yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely pieces there that can play the position if needed. But I, I agree with you. I think they do need to look to the draft to kind of to solidify that spot a little yeah. bit more. I, I, I don't foresee them drafting a quarterback. I think got to be they'll wait till next year if they get some draft capital. If Sean Payton goes and coaches another team and they get draft capital for that, I think they'll use their draft capital. From, that they get from him plus whatever they're gonna else they're gonna have next year to move up to uh, the sign of a, a, a quarterback. Yeah, I could see that. 
Absolutely. Uh, I, I I could be wrong. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think from what I'm kind of reading that you might have one or two that may be NFL ready in the draft next year. Yeah, you know, you got C.J. Stroud from Ohio State that that's supposed to be coming out next year. You've got um, Bryce, Bryce Young uh, yeah. from Alabama. I mean, you, you got a couple of you got Anthony Richardson from Florida, Will Levis from Kentucky. You, there's definitely going to be more Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. He he reminds me a lot of Drew Brees. Uh, so yeah. I mean, you've got next year's quarterback class is definitely going to be, and and we can't forget Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Spencer Rattler. He's from he's, Texas, right? he, he's supposed to be in the draft next year. Isn't he from Texas? Or uh, Oklahoma. He played at Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And now, okay. now he's at okay. South Carolina. Yeah. Um, I love the draft. I, I can't wait for it. Uh, I'm biting it to this point. What I really like about the draft is um, when they start making those trades, when they trade down or trade up, that's what I love. That's the best thing I like about the draft, when they start making those trades to move up to pick someone. I remember the year they drafted Cameron Jordan. They, they traded with the uh, Patriots and moved back into the first round and got Mark Ingram in the uh, same round. Yeah. Yeah, I look for him. I look for him uh, maybe around the fourth round pick, maybe for another running back because uh, Aaron's probably going to be suspended for a few games, and they're going to probably need another running back. They still have Mark Ingham on the, on the roster, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I think yeah. they're going to probably need one more running back, maybe fourth or fifth round. They probably go for that. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. You could you could definitely use one more. I mean, you have Tony Jones Jr., but if, yeah. you, if you could get one more, that would definitely help. Yeah, if uh, I think Michael Thomas is supposed to be back, and if you get Chris Olave or um, uh, the other guy you named, um, I think both of those two guys has uh, has good hands. Uh, who do you think is the best out of Chris Olave and, and the other guy you named? Chris Olave or Drake London? No, not London. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, yeah. So those two guys are both Ohio State guys. If you had to ask me, I would say Chris Olave. Chris Olave, yeah. So he probably has. Better hands than uh, than Drake London also. I don't know about that, but what yeah. I what I like about Chris Olave is when I watch him play, he's got the big body of Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. with better speed. Okay, okay. So well, maybe you never know. The Saints might maybe if they can see what they can get him, they might have to trade up and get him or something. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, I would I'd think be for it. Maybe for like five picks, maybe like the thirteen, move to thirteen or whatever, and get him. Yeah. Maybe I, I would definitely be for that because I, I think he's the type of guy that you need to have on your roster. Because I know the um, I forgot the Patriots' record. The Patriots they picked this before the Saints, don't they? The New England Patriots. I don't think so. No. Oh, they pick after them. Okay. I think they're in the twenties. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think the Patriots are in the twenties. Oh, okay. Because uh, I know the Saints has traded with them uh, in the past a few times, so. so. Okay. Well, thank you for your uh, information, and I appreciate appreciate your input. Absolutely, Anthony. Appreciate the call. Yeah, so the Saints are at 18. New England's first pick isn't until 21. So about three picks away. Uh, The Saints definitely can't afford to trade back if they're going wide receiver. Uh, If anything, they're going to have to trade up. So we'll see what they do there. But we'll take a timeout, and when we come back, We'll finally get to some Cajuns baseball. Preview their game with Southeastern in Hammond tonight. Six o'clock first pitch. John Jay Hendricks joins us at 530. 
And when we come back after that, we'll get you set up for LSU Tigers baseball against the Warhawk here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 29th, 1998. The Tennessee women's basketball team wins its third straight national title by defeating Louisiana Tech 93-75. The victory completes an undefeated 39-0 season for the Volunteers. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. If you want to see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers on the planet, the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April 5th, and you can see them live. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, is giving away a four-pack of tickets to this family-friendly show. How do you win? You simply text Trotter to 68683 to win the tickets to see the Globetrotters. Once again, text Trotter, that's T-R-O-T-T-E-R, to 68683 to win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters live at the Cajun Dome. Courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's talk some Cajuns baseball now. They go to southeastern Louisiana tonight, 6 o'clock first pitch. The Cajuns 11 and 12 on the year, 2 and 4 in Sunbelt Conference play. And this week coming is a, a dreaded week. In college baseball, you never want to play five games in a week. Two midweeks, three weekends, that's brutal. Here's Coach Deggs on if the five-week game is more of a chore than it is fun. Well, it depends on if you hit. I mean, if you hit, you can cover some stuff up in these weeks. You know, if it is a five-game week, odds are a couple of those teams probably are in a five-game week. And you need to take advantage of some of that pitching and uh, have a great approach, reach base, score runs, drive them in. So, yeah, it can. we're just going to have to have some guys step up that are more than capable of it. And, you know, one, one comment that Matt Deggs made in the press conference on, yesterday is that the Cajuns need to get back to their standard and they're, they're not going to do it being as generous as they have been. But sometimes trying to get back to your standard, there's a fine line. Here's Coach Dex. That's not just my standard. That's a UL baseball history standard. So that's where we need to get to. And you're not going to get there being generous and not being able to put guys away at the right time or, or come up with the big hit or make an awareness play. We've got a lot to get better at. Carson Rockefort has is a player that is been a leader for this team, batting 363, 88 bats, 29 hits, 18 runs, three doubles, two triples, seven home runs, 31 RBIs. He now leads the team in home runs. Four of those came in the last week. A slugging percentage of 713 and an on-base percentage of 404. The birthday boy today, by the way. Matt Deggs was asked what how does Carson Rockefort, you know, motor this team? You gotta have that one guy that kinda, you know, kinda like the sun, everything circles around it. And uh, 
he's been that, and that's that's been a saving grace for us for sure. Without that, I mean, we would be in dire straits right now. Uh, and so what he's doing is pretty amazing, being the only left-handed guy in there for the most part. And, you know, teams continue to pitch to him, which I'm impressed by that too, and he continues to come up big. Yeah, teams won't be pitching to him for much longer. It's not going to happen for much longer. Uh, speaking of pitchers, Sunbelt Pitcher of the Week this week is Cajuns pitcher Bo Bonds. A 2.59 ERA, 2-1 and one on the year in 10 appearances, 24 and a third innings pitched, 12 hits, 8 runs, 7 of those earned, 11 walks, 42 strikeouts. 42! James, how many of those came in his relief appearance Friday night? Wasn't it 14? 14! Yeah. 14! He was three away from the full game record in five innings. Kid was on fire last night. Batters are only hitting 148 against him on the season. And uh, Coach Deggs was asked, how big of a weapon is it to have a guy like Bo Bonds in your arsenal? Yeah, I mean, when any of our guys go out and, and throw the baseball like that and pitch up to their ability, I already know they can pitch. And, you know, we all do. We've seen it. Uh, when they go out and have outings like that or be able to maintain that type consistency and momentum and it's not not just him but you know several of them i think jeff wilson strung together a pretty good year for us so far and tally doing what he's done over two years and you know so anytime that we can reach the point where we've got four five six guys down there pitching up to their potential and even beyond that you know that's when it gets really really good and then if the offense can can match that and uh, the the two feed off each other then you got a chance to play good baseball once again, Cajuns baseball against Southeastern tonight at 6 o'clock from Pat Kennelly Field at Pat Kennelly Diamond at Alumni Field. Excuse me. Transitioning to softball, they've got a tough week this week, too. They go to Austin, like I mentioned earlier. They go to Austin tomorrow and then have a three-game series with San Marcos with Texas State this weekend. And yesterday at the press conference, Coach Glasgow was asked to give his thoughts on the four-game road trip coming up. Four games there, and I think we have to come back three and one. I don't know that it matters which game we lose, but I think we have to win three out of the four. And if we you know, come back two and two or less, I think it's going to be a disappointing road trip for us. And obviously we'd love to win. We'd love to, to beat Texas, but the Texas State Series is really critical. So I don't know that any one game is more important than the other, but it's a great opportunity for us. And I did feel like we, we competed well except for that one big inning, but that one big inning has been a consistent issue. So I, th- I think that, you know, it's, it's just an opportunity for us to go out and, and compete against a really good team. And Texas, the, the difference right now is Texas playing really well. When they came here last time, they were struggling to find their identity, and now they found it and they're playing really well. So. Make no mistake, we're going to be playing a, a, a really hot Texas team, which is, is good for us and a great opportunity for us. You know, Glasgow talked about how Texas has improved since the last time the Cajuns and the Longhorns met uh, here at Lamson Park a couple weeks ago. So now the question is, 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 there, is there going to be a difference in approach between the two matchups? I hope we're more mature. I feel like our ball club is growing up and becoming a more mature ball club. 
So, yeah, I hope there's a difference in our approach, and I hope there's a difference in our results. But, you know, we'll play the game and we'll see. Cajun softball tomorrow night in Austin, 6 o'clock first pitch before going to San Marcos this weekend, 6 on Friday, 2 on Saturday, and 12 noon on Sunday. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated will join us to talk about the Saints some more. Jameis is the starter, the Red Rifles, the backup. Who's he going to throw to? Who's going to protect him? Where can the Saints go with the little bit of money that they have left to spend? We'll dive into all that and more here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our awards club, you will have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Show Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Show Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We want to fix your lady problems. Half Shell Oyster House. If you've never been there, it's really good. It's really, really good. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Let's go back to the black and gold conversation. John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated joins us. John J., good afternoon, my man. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Uh, it's a beautiful Tuesday afternoon in South Louisiana. Not much to complain about. No doubt. I hear that. So let's dive into this Andy Dalton news. One year, $6 million, $3 million guaranteed. This is obviously a move to give the Saints a serviceable backup behind Jameis Winston. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, I think it's a smart move, especially given what Dennis Allen kind of confirmed what we've already heard about, about Jason Hill swapping back kind of the tight end, and that'd be more of his prominent role. And so, look, I think the caveat that you got to remember with Taysom is that, you know, primarily it'd be tight end, but I still would think it, he might be used on QB powers and might have to mix it up a little bit. But, you know, look, similar to, you know, when you trace back to when, when Drew got hurt in the game, it wasn't Taysom that went in because of the game plan. It was Jameis Winston way back when. And so, look, I think Dalton's a serviceable backup. I think he can win games if he's called in on a pinch. He's a veteran. He's going to make some you know, throws and stuff that might make you go a little crazy. But ultimately, his time in Chicago, Dallas, and then obviously his time in Cincy and stuff, uh, you know, being on a new club, it's not a bad thing to have a veteran guy there. You have Ian Book and Blake Bortles. And kind of the question I pose is if something happens to Jameis, you want Bortles and Book to step in because it's definitely not going to be Taysom. So I think it's a real smart move for this team. Speaking of Taysom Hill, you mentioned Dennis Allen stating that he was going to make the move over to tight end. You know, and, and some people have come out saying that that's where he should have been his entire career. You know, where where do you stand on that? And do you see Taysom Hill being, you know, an effective tight end, given the fact that he's about twenty pounds smaller than your average tight end? 
Yeah, and look, here's what I would say is, you know, because obviously I follow Taysom Jensen's guy here, right? And I think he's only grown as a player, as a person. And so, look, again, when you look at comparisons and things that were made about him being like the next Steve Young, I think that's kind of what set the tone here, right? And so, as a quarterback, I definitely think he grew some of his mechanics and some of the things. I mean, he has a good record as a starter. He's made some good moves, good throws, and has, has won some games for the Saints team. But, you know, overall, uh, you know, people are always going to be fascinated and just feel a certain type of way when it comes to him and his abilities. But, look, um, you know, I remember last year when the, the quarterback battle was over, so to speak, that, you know, what happened was he ended up bulking up and putting on weight so he could play that tight end role. And so I think that was the thing is he slimmed down at first and, and worked different parts of his body to get ready as a quarterback. And then when he found out at Winston was going to be the quarterback, obviously he changed the dynamic and went more into that tight end role. And so, look, I think it gives the Saints a good weapon, a good versatile weapon that Pete Carmichael can use. And, you know, I think it's interesting because, uh, again, you talk to DA based off his conference today that, you know, they're looking to have a similar offense for the last 16 years with Carmichael running it. And so, obviously, there's some things they want to improve on. But as Taysom Hill as a player – you know, obviously, I think it's cut, shut the door of him as a quarterback, um, you know, at least a starter in this league. If he needs to fill in as a pinch and run guy to play, do different things, I think he'll still do that. But, you know, I don't think it's a bad option for him. He can catch the ball. He can block extremely well. And I think he's going to be important to what the Saints do offensively. John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated joins us here on the game. So now, now you've got your quarterback situation shored up. However, your wide receiver room – Still got a lot of questions. You know, you got Michael Thomas at the top. Deontay Hardy's a good slot option and a great return man. But you don't have a solid number two. Do you think the Saints go to the draft to fix that? Or with the little bit of cap they have left over, do you think they sign somebody? Well, I hope they go do something. That's the biggest thing. And so I don't feel – I think the way I look at it is, you know, obviously bring Traquan back, Callaway – I would like to see some guys brought in to challenge these these other receivers. And, you know, I don't think you should automatically think Callaway is the number two guy. I think you should have him challenge for the three and four spot and make him work for the second spot. And so I think veterans are still out there. There's still some good talent. I think what's happened is the market is, is really crazy right now because of the deal Christian Kirk got. I mean, I think that's set up a, a lot of things that have really just made this thing a little bit crazy for these wide receivers right now. But, look, I'm all for a scenario where the Saints look at veterans, and I think whether that's get a younger guy and then add a veteran, you know, somebody like a T.Y. Hilton, an A.J. Green, not specifically those players, but guys that could come in or even bring back an Emmanuel Sanders to play. And so I think the more help you can get, the better. And I think when you look at the offense, yeah, there's question marks regarding left tackle. I do believe that James Hurst is a guy that could to fit in I think he could do a lot better. Uh, you know, obviously, your Saints could potentially, but I think Hurst has earned a shot to start. Wouldn't surprise me if they drafted his replacement or drafted a left tackle at 18. But, you know, look, when it, they go up to the clock, uh, Jamison Williams at Alabama would be a good one. Olav would be a good one from Ohio State. These are guys that are predicted to be around, right? And so I think this is another rich wide receiver class. I'm in favor of getting a couple in free agency with whoever's left and then getting a couple in, in the draft. and. You know, again, may the best man win. I think that's just kind of how you have to approach this. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Chris Olave from Ohio State. It, I, I said it earlier, if he's available at 18, I think that's the way the Saints have to go because this draft class is so loaded in both wide receivers and offensive tackle. 
So I think that if they waited until a later round to get a wide receiver, it'd be fine. But a guy like Chris Olave is a once in a you know five year period type of talent. Yeah, look, I think that too, and I think it, that way about Jameson Williams. I think there's just so many different talents that are there, and I said Olaf, I have frozen on the brain for some reason, but Olave is, I think, a guy that can really turn things down. And you know how Ohio State and the Saints pipeline traditionally works, right? And so I think that's obviously something that they'll pay attention to. And you know, look, there's still a lot of moving parts and pieces, and I think um, you know you still have to wait and see what happens with Deontay Hardy. I mean. Somebody could still try to, to sign him to an offer, and then Saints would have to see about matching that offer or not. And uh, again, the way Traquan Smith's contract is structured, I don't think that's a bad deal. And you know, the key cog here is Michael Thomas, right? And, and I don't think you should put all your eggs in the basket of him just bounce back to 2019 form. And uh, look, if he does, that's great. But that's just one area that can help your team. We think you look at teams that have made a run, right? They have a solid one, two, three option, even their four and five guys are really solid. And so it moves the Saints to make sure that they get somebody in Olave, uh, you know, all those guys that are still out there. Uh, I think they can really turn it on. Christian Watson, the guy that's rised up. Uh, 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 Alec Collins is another guy, or Alec Pierce is another guy that I like from Cincy. And so I think they can get some guys on day one, day two, and day three and still be happy and improve with what they have in that wide receiver room. John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated joins us. Let's talk about Kwan Alexander. Uh, that, that's a linebacker that has done a lot of good things for the Saints. He's battled some injuries, but he, he came back pretty strong this past season. Do the Saints have plans to bring him back? And also, you know, looking at P.J. Williams, well, what's what's the plan with P.J.? Yeah, look, I think a lot of these players, you know, again, from a lot of things I hear, some of them are going to have to wait until after the draft shapes up. And, you know, look, you got key linebackers out there still like Bobby Wagner. And so, you know, don't disrespect to Quan Alexander, but, you know, Wagner's a guy that people are going to chop at the bit to try to find. And, you know, maybe it's the Ravens, maybe it's another team, but I would expect some teams to be, you know, interested in him and PJ Williams. But I think their market price is a little bit too high, possibly. And look, you know, I was checking Instagram, you checking some of these players. Quan's wearing a Saint shirt today and and some of his workouts and some of his things and so i know he loves this organization i know he wants to play here if he can and it's all about making it right and so i'm surprised he hasn't had a little bit more interest and same thing with pj williams but you know they got Sorensen. he's more of your jeff he's type guy this year um they have marcus may i would be in favor of williams but i just don't think you can do a yearly deal for him i think you have to do a two three year deal give him a little bit more money because of the way you use him but he's just one of those players, along with Quan, that you just got to watch. And look, Allen likes Pete Warner, and I think you see a lot of what Pete Warner can do. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they roll with him as a starter. But look, I, I like Quan Alexander and the dynamic he brings alongside Demario Davis. But at the same time, that's one of those things where they look at their money and their situation. Do they want to go for somebody like a vet to, to do that again, or do they believe in Warner where they drafted him to start all 17 games? All right, John, I got two lighthearted questions for you, and then I'll let you get out of here. It was announced a couple days ago that Sean Payton would receive an honorary degree from Loyola. What, what, do, you, what do you think about Dr. Sean Payton? <laughs> well, he's a doctor in football, that's for sure. He's a surgeon in my book when it comes to offense and such. But, you know, look, I mean, Payton is, is going to be – I mean, he's respected around here, obviously. I mean, he's going to leave a legacy – 
like no other. I mean, if you ask fans, the statues erected of Drew Brees and Sean Payton, that's probably something they could do next to the Gleason statue, right? And so I, I just know that people are going to feel a certain type of way if he actually does come back to coaching. I don't see it right now because I think he's going to get too comfortable in the booth. And I also think that they're going to pay him too much. And so whoever wants to take him on is going to have to pay an astronomical price for him. But, you know, it's pretty cool to see him get things like that. And, and you know, obviously he loves New Orleans. He's got a house down here. And so, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he stays around and, and, and maybe he doesn't. But I think he's, it's probably more the latter. And he's going to be uh, getting a lot of those accolades for a little bit longer. And my last question, you know, for the last 48 hours or so, the Oscars have been you know, the rave with, with Will Smith slapping Chris Rock across his face. Uh, was it real or was it staged? And would you have stayed as calm as Chris Rock did? Yeah, I, I feel like it was real because of what he said afterwards and then the apology. And I don't know if he stayed something like that or they're talking about press charges. But then again, nothing would surprise me these days. And, um, you know, again, if, if Will gave him his best shot, I don't think that was it because I think Will could throw a little bit harder than that. But, you know, Chris Rock played it like a professional either way, but, you know, I guess there's some things you just can't joke about and you shouldn't joke about, and I think Will saw, you know, um, how his wife earlier wasn't laughing. I think it may have changed things, but, um, you know, I guess maybe we'll get the truth one day, but from the surface right now, I think it looked real and seems like it's real based on everybody's reaction in the uh, the outpour so far. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. I, I think it was real, and I definitely would not have stayed as calm as Chris Rock did. Um, yeah, that's, that would have been something if you would have had a fight live on the air. So right. I'm just saying. Right, right. John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated has been our guest. John, appreciate you taking the time, man. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you after the draft. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. There he goes, John J. Hendricks. Take a quick look at our poll question of the day Do the Saints draft a quarterback now that Andy Dalton is in New Orleans? 87% of you say no. 13% of you say yes. There's just no way, right? Can he pick it? You're not going to waste a first rounder on him. So who are you going to get? Desmond Ritter in the second? Matt Corral maybe in the third? Just wait till next year. Wait until next year when you have a draft-heavy quarterback class. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to get you set up for some Tigers and the Warhawks. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. here in the game dugout love baseball it was the game that was passed down to them by their fathers hey dad you want to have a catch i'd like that not all of them had such heartwarming moments this guy threw at his own kid in a father's son game now back to more baseball talk here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. FanDuel Sportsbook NBA Same Game Parlays give you the chance to turn a little bet into a really big payday. You can choose an NBA game and, and combine any multiple bets with the amount of three-pointers made, who the leading scorer will be, and more into one wager for bigger wins. Funny enough, there is a three-point Same Game Parlay where Condavious Caldwell-Pope needs to make two plus threes, Hard needs to make two plus, er- Kyrie Irving of the Nets needs to make three plus, Shadiq Bey needs to make three of his own, Grayson Allen needs to make at least two, and then Nikola Vucevic needs 
to make too. Make the mid-season feel like the playoffs when you bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. The wings get paid fast. It's top-rated, easy-to-use, safe, and secure app. Plus, if you're new, you can bet $5 and get $150 in site credit instantly guaranteed. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code KLWB and bet on the NBA today. That's promo code KLWB exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, an official sports bank partner of the NBA. You must be 21 older and present in Louisiana, permitted parishes only, first online real money wager only, $10 first bet deposit required, bonus issues non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys. And Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Just a couple more minutes before we get out of here. And we'll take you to Baton Rouge as the number 12 LSU Tigers host the UL Monroe Warhawks. The Tigers 17 and 7 on the year. ULM 8, 13 and 1. Uh, the game can be heard here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. The game can be watched on the SEC network. Pitching matchup is Devin Fontenot, 1-1 one one on the year with a 1.980 RA, 13 and 2-thirds <coughs> innings pitched, 5 walks, 15 strikeouts. And for ULM, it's going to be the junior right-hander, Mikel Howell, a 2.08 ERA, 4 and a third innings pitched, 4 walks, 8 strikeouts. The Tigers are coming off their 2 out of 3 in Gainesville. And Braden Jobert is tearing the cover off of the baseball. He hit 444 against the Gators with three home runs, five runs scored, and nine RBIs. Nine RBIs in a weekend. Absolutely unreal. Uh, Some Pelicans news came out over the break. Zion Williamson will travel with the team on the four-game road trip They will be in Portland tomorrow, L.A. Friday and Sunday, and then Sacramento next Tuesday. He will travel to stay with the Pelicans performance staff to continue his his rehab as they get closer and closer to the play-in tournament. The Astros also had a spring training game today. James, do we know what the final score was of that game? I'll look it up real quick. Three to one. I got it right here. Okay. Three to one. The Astros win. Uh, Jeremy Pena, two RBIs for the rookie shortstop. The Astros will improve to six and four in spring training. The Nationals fall to one and nine. Justin Verlander getting the start. Four innings pitched, no runs, one walk, six. Strikeouts. I don't know. Every every day that he steps out on the mound, he looks better and better. Thanks to John J. Hendricks and Jim Gazzolo for joining us today. Thank you to James Mesh. Thank you to everybody that has, has called in on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. We're supposed to get some more bad weather tomorrow like we were like we did last week. So stay safe out there tomorrow. So be safe. Be well. Huggy Mom and M. God willing, we'll be back tomorrow. The LSU Tigers baseball is next here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Have a good night, everybody.